Welcome to the 114th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's audio podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Food farm in northeast Minnesota has changed hands recently. The community-supported agriculture vegetable operation has been sold to Jonicky Fisher Merritt and Annie Dugan, who are both 34. The sellers are Jonicky's parents, John and Jane Fisher Merritt. Passing a farm on to the next generation can be fraught with problems, as the older and younger farmers involved struggle with the economic, logistical, and emotional issues involved. But when the operation is one like Food Farm, which provides 160 vegetable shares annually, plus sells to a local co-op as well as restaurants, the transfer can be particularly complex. Food Farm has been a CSA operation since the mid-1990s and is well known for its use of innovative production and storage techniques. It's certified organic, and in 2000, the Fisher Merits built a computer-controlled, energy-efficient root cellar that has added immense value to the produce Food Farm raises. John and Jane always felt that they had built up something special over the years and assumed that someone would be interested in taking over the operation eventually. So when Jonicky returned to the farm after graduating from college in 1999, they were thrilled. By 2010, the sale of Food Farm's land and equipment to Jonicky and Annie was pretty much wrapped up. This came at the end of a transition that had begun a few years before. Jane, who is 63, is now an employee of the farm. John, who's 68, works on the farm as well and collects Social Security. Both families live on the farm. The older farmers in a small house built on top of the root cellar and the younger couple in the original farmstead. The relatively smooth transfer of food farm has been the result of a lot of long-range planning, the willingness of the Fisher Merits to consult expert advice, and the fact that Jonicky is an accounting and tax whiz. The transfer has also benefited from the willingness of both generations to give a little. One side needs enough out of the deal to ensure their financial security and retirement. The other must ensure a healthy cash flow as they take the enterprise into the future. I recently visited Food Farm and chatted with John, Jane, and Jonicky about the transfer of the operation to the next generation. John started out talking about how he had always assumed that Food Farm would be an attractive enterprise for someone to take over. I, I always figured I didn't know if it would be one of our kids or somebody else but that because what we were doing was so attractive to me I always figured well probably gonna be attractive attractive to anybody or you know not just me and so I was always pretty confident if we did a good job taking care of business uh, and, and that means being good business people and being a little bit adventuresome and you know doing our best that some that good things would happen. And when it turned out that Jonicky did make his decision that he wanted to be a farmer, it was just a real big bonus for me. It always seemed to me that, I mean, since we, we were involved in, in CSA, it, it has seemed to me like, you know, that's where it's possible to make money. You know, it isn't like, like we're handing off to Jonicky, something that's a, a struggling thing that he's going to really be hamper him, him in some way. But it's really something, an established business that is capable of supporting him and paying for the farm. I, I don't really have anything specific that I think I want I, to continue, but just the spirit of the thing of having fun making a, a living and doing worthwhile work and work that doesn't cause harm somewhere else. 
As we were talking earlier in Janaki saying we were we were farming the way we do and innovating and trying all this stuff for 25 years before we got to the point of discovering CSA and having it actually support us. Um, but I think actually, even though we were kind of working in a bit of a vacuum, I think we both maybe had the fantasy that we were building a movement, that we were part of something bigger. We've just seen that take place, not necessarily in the way we might have envisioned and certainly not as quickly as we thought it would happen, but I think we've always felt part of a really holistic approach to life and to food, and and we've seen that grow and take root, so I don't think, you know, I think we've felt it was becoming more all the time and not necessarily something we personally had to preserve. It's like the culture was coming along to preserve it. And I think one thing you mentioned, John Key, was I think you made a good point, uh, John, about that this isn't so much oh, a certain way to do things, but one of the things that's maybe made this easier and maybe more attractive for you as well is that because this farm has always been about change, you know, you tried different things, it's evolved, maybe some things worked, some things didn't. Change is kind of the norm here, that that's attractive, but also makes it so uh, you don't feel like, oh, well, if I, I have to do it exactly the way they did it. Yeah, I think it, in some ways I've actually been, I'm the one that's more resistant to change than my parents are, certainly my dad, because he's always kind of trying to push the envelope and do different things. So it, um, my mom and I have usually, we've been putting the brakes on the car that he's been trying to drive faster. And uh, so that that's, you might almost think that's a bit of a role reversal in a typical kind of family land transfer sort of situation. That was one of the things that drew me into the farm was that I didn't like the way that they were doing things. And instead of telling me that I had to do it that way and, you know, finish my chores and shut up or whatever. There was a space opened up there that if I had a better idea, I could do it. But then that meant that I was involved, that it it was a space for creativity and problem solving. And that really what was attractive to me about it. It wasn't just, you know, it's hard work, but you can make a living at it. That wasn't really the thinking, of course, as, as a kid. It was more, it's hard work, but maybe if I did this, it wouldn't be quite so hard or it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as much drudgery it would be more more problem solving or interesting right exactly i was wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about how important it is when you go into a decision making process like this about transitioning to the next generation how important it is to lay out from the beginning it sounds like you guys were able to kind of say this is what i need out of the the transition and then the other person lays out this is what i need out of it so there isn't these false expectations and that maybe you know and it's uh, it, like anything with it's when it's family you're gonna hopefully compromise and, and it's not going to be just a cutthroat i gotta have this and you gotta have that but that you sounds like you were kind of able to able to come to a middle ground on that, that you know i <laughs> it's kind of hard i can see looking from the outside how we did some planning and we had conversation on the other hand it also seems like a lot of it was kind of the typical staring at your the ground, shuffling your feet, and talking around it. So that there certainly was a fair amount of 
of that too. But I'm someone who we've I've always had a family budget. You know, I I balanced the checkbook. I did our taxes for years before Janaki took that over. And um, so I'm somebody who needs to kind of know where, know the financial landscape. If I weren't that that way, if I were if we were parents who never really kept very good track of anything, and so, or really, yeah, if we didn't know, it, it, it is a struggle to know where the farm ends and family begins, or vice versa, in split expenses and stuff when you have a family farm. But making some attempt to segregate that out as you go along, I think is really helpful when you're starting to think of, all the farm income and expenses not running through your hands. What do you actually need when you aren't running the farm and feeding staff and all those kinds of things? So Janaki began asking us to figure out what we needed, and it was, it was really difficult, and I don't know how clear we ever really got on that at all, but we got in the ballpark that we were comfortable enough with the arrangements we came up with. I guess that's what I would say. That sounds about right. I mean, it, I don't know that there... I mean, as much as, as, much as I'd like to, to talk about how beneficial planning is and all that stuff, we didn't... In some ways, we didn't actually do a very good job of really sitting down and hammering out the details. It, it did sort of just... It happened and maybe we got lucky. I mean, we, that's not to say we didn't do a bunch of planning. And what it kind of came down to was, you know, the, the land payments came out to, the reason that it's working right now is that the land payments came out to about what they were taking as a draw from, what my dad was taking as a draw from the farm. And since he's going to continue working, that, that's what makes it work, is that it's, it's fairly neutral as far as the expense goes is just a different category instead of his draw it's going to to land payments the the trick is going to be when he's not working anymore and so that's you know we have this transition period where we're having to figure out how to make the, the farm profitable enough to absorb that extra cost but that's what's so nice about doing it the way we've done it we didn't wait until they can't work on the farm anymore we did it and we didn't try to do it when I had no equity. I didn't have anything to use as a down payment. So we have a good situation where I've got enough age and experience where I can really take everything on and I have some equity to put towards a down payment for them. They aren't costing the farm extra because it's just the same price as it was before and they can keep contributing for at least a few years until we can keep making the farm more profitable, hopefully. Every situation is unique, obviously, but if you were going to give some just general advice to somebody who is just starting to think about this kind of a transition within a family, what are just some basic things maybe you would recommend that they do or people they seek out advice or, or you know, experts or whatever? What, what are some just some real basics? It's like, well, you really got to start with that kind of thing. The way it really started with us is through, I mean, it isn't that it was just by accident that I was being flexible with Janaki and letting him make decisions. You know, that was a conscious thing on my part. And part of it was that it made it easier for me to have him 
start making those decisions. And part of it was that I felt like his taking initiative would really pay off at some point. And so, you know, I would say that there's all the financial stuff and all the the other planning that needs to go into it, but in the case of intergenerational transfer, it's it's really important. It's really important for uh, for there to be that relationship established before the whole thing gets rolling. And and just another way to say that maybe is that you know you you have to be willing to um, see each other in positions of trust and then have track record with each other so that you know there really is a mutuality of trust about it because you can do all the financial legal planning and if you don't really have confidence in each other whether it's to take care of yourself physically or <laughs> interpersonal goodwill or whatever it I, I think it would be pretty unbearable actually I, I think just the basics of having a, a lawyer that you can both trust and having some somebody with an accounting or financial background that you can trust and have a, a comprehensible conversation with that can kind of make clear the options and trade-offs of doing things different ways. And the, the trust thing is important because the way to make the deal work out best for everybody is a way that makes everybody a little bit vulnerable. If you want to have everything locked down and and no ambiguity about any of it, it's going to be a pretty rigid system that actually doesn't work out best for everybody. So if you can have that trust and a willingness to take some risk, I, I think that's usually a path that'll work out best for the, the whole group. But that's a that's a tough thing to establish and it means that start you know whether it's parents and children or people who aren't related but work together, having a you know at least a solid few years of working together and establishing that sort of relationship is important, and then starting the process early enough so everybody can still contribute to the operation. And that, that the goal, I think, part of what really helps us is that the farm has always been the goal for us. You know, the your first question about the idea that the the farmer's special and and you want to have it taken care of i think i actually felt that more than these guys do you know they've been so focused on trying to make a living and making it work for so long that that i don't think there is they wanted to figure out a way for it for the transition to happen but i don't think they're as paranoid or felt it as acutely as i did partly because I was the one making the decision to be here or not be here. They didn't have that decision to make. They were here already, and it's, it was a little bit, I wouldn't say it's taken for granted, but it was less of an immediate concern. And to me, it was sort of more of an immediate concern that if I wasn't here, things wouldn't get done. I mean, certainly things that I was involved in and really wanting to take care of, I, I had a hard time figuring how they'd get taken care of. But just the concern that, that in the in the longer term, everything wouldn't, the farm wouldn't be able to continue and the investment that I'd already put in and that they'd already put in wouldn't have been, there wouldn't be a return to that somehow. Check back in five years and see how it's Five years. Uh, Okay, this is January 18th, 2012, and we'll check in five years. (laughs) That's great. Yeah.
information on passing farmland on to the next generation, see www.landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-722-6377. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.